Good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and uh, I know the audio has kind of been up and down, up and down. I'm back to using my uh, iPhone mic. We'll see how that goes. I'm not sure which is better. Um, today I've got some loose stuff in the car that may rattle around a little bit. hope it doesn't, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, what's going on with you guys? Um, it is, uh, what, I think it's November 15th here, and uh, it's about 9.22 in the morning, and I'm running just a few minutes late. I just try to get too much stuff done in the morning when I should just be focusing on getting to work. But anyway, such is life. Man, that's kind of how I've always been, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, so last week I did a double uh, podcast on this idea of cross-active. Um, if you didn't listen to that, I, I suggest you go back and listen to the, the previous two podcasts. Um, cross-active one, and I think it's cross-active part two. Um, about a, anyway, what I would call a, a ministry opportunity take part in, you know, secular groups and, and non-church-based groups with the purpose of being salt and light in those groups. And in Japan, there's a very specific application for that. Uh, and and really, the, the time for that to happen is on Sundays. Um, so, it's a... It's something that I think the church, probably worldwide, at least countries where the church is, is has been around for a while, I would say struggles with, and that is uh, finding meaningful ways to be in the world, um, but not of the world. Right? I, I always get the feeling that the the uh, conservative side of us wants to uh, uh, wants to or prefers to yeah sorry I'm getting through some narrow roads here people are out cutting weeds. The conservative side of us wants to uh, run away from the world, to isolate ourselves from the world. Uh, and being from America, it didn't really happen there, uh, by and large. But what, what happens is, the spiritual part of our life gets closed off from other people. Right, and, and I'm not sure if this is exactly part of the PC movement or whatever, or just a, a coping mechanism that we've come up with, but it seems like 
uh, religion is is off the the polite table when it comes to proper uh, conversation topics uh, in public. Um, religion and politics always gets the you know gets the kind of the uh, um, the boot when it comes to uh, appropriate topics for uh, polite conversation. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I... The way most religious religions and politi- politics have gone, I, I don't blame them. Because <laughs> there's just a bunch of junk involved with both. And, and, and I would say that most of where religion goes wrong has something to do with politics. Uh, whether it's local politics within a congregation or or whether it's uh, politics on a national or global scale, politics has a way of of uh, supplanting true religion uh, and maybe even replacing true religion uh, or masquerading. You know, politics often masquerades. Oh wait, the other way around. Religion masquerades as politics. I'm not sure which way it goes, but often, uh, what is really just politics is passed off as religion, right? And this is what we see uh, with the with the, uh, with the right, the right wing uh, conservatives uh, and the left wing liberals. And they're quite religious in their devotion to uh, the agendas of their various platforms, and really equally diametrically opposed. Right? They're 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 really far from the middle on either side. Um, and so, what somebody brought up this morning, which I thought was kind of interesting, was the idea of the radical middle. Uh, and that Jesus is the one who showed us how to be radically in the middle. Um, not not either uh, political, uh, sorry, not either conservative or liberal, uh, but radically in the middle. Uh, and Jesus, of course, came radically into the middle uh, of uh, the political climate of his time between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, for example. Um, he he could see that both um, had had probably good points, but both uh, also were just about as far from the truth as the other, uh, but in the opposite direction. Uh, so anyway, man, I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Maybe I should just keep going there because I kind of it's kind of dangerous for me to go the other other direction. But anyway, so last couple. Uh, Days was about cross active and um, the last couple of podcasts, uh, and the idea that instead of closing ourselves off from the world, we should recognize that we were made for this world. Even though our citizenship is in heaven, heaven has come to earth in the kingdom, and eventually the entire earth will be the territory of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, for eternity, and that even though we are not, our citizenship is from heaven, uh, 
uh, and we are not of the world, but we are of Christ, and Christ is of heaven. Nonetheless, we are made for the world. We are made to be in the world. Uh, we are meant to be salt and light in the world. We're not meant to wall ourselves off uh, in some, you know, frantic, uh, frantic um, search for uh, protection. Right? <clears throat> we are meant to to trust. Uh, in the protection of our Lord while being in the world and, and in the battle, if you will. I think this is where a lot of the uh, 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 martial metaphors come into uh, uh, come to be very meaningful. Uh, now, it's a, it's a different kind of battle we wage, right? Paul said it's not with, uh, you know, with... with uh, skin and blood. Is that what he says? It's not of flesh and blood. Sorry. Uh, the battle is not one of flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers and the principalities in the heavenly realm. Uh, so our battle is a different one, and our, and our main weapon is love. Um, sacrificial uh, agape type love is, what, is how Jesus um, lived. So, uh, so anyway, Sunday mornings has become the time that we sequester ourselves off and allow ourselves to be openly religious with those people who are like-minded in our little box, in our little building. That's the place where we allow ourselves to be salt and light. But it seems like the rest of the time... Uh, at least when I was in America, and I, and I realized things change, and, and, and uh, I appreciate that, and, and I don't mean to uh, to badmouth um, American uh, Christianity or evangelicalism at this point. <laughs> I've done enough of that in the past, I suppose. Uh, but I do want to say that by not opening up our, our, by not giving permission to everybody to be salt and light in the world uh, Monday through Saturday, right? Um, I think we're missing, number one, a, a huge, a huge opportunity uh, to, to advance the kingdom. Um, but also, as, as anyone knows, as you as you learn to live live as the church every day you you grow uh, you grow spiritually right? I think we're missing an opportunity uh, both for Jesus's name to be proclaimed as, as well as for people to to grow up in the Lord uh, stronger and taller um, through equipping to go into the world in a way that that they don't have to feel guilty about and this is this is the this is the point about cross active before was that uh, here in Japan Sunday mornings are reserved for family time and hobbies so we're really all day Sunday uh, because the way the work week is uh, 
that's what Sunday morning is. But of course, Christianity has come in uh, in the last you know hundred or so years and said, no, well, you have to dedicate Sundays to God, and so we ask people to sacrifice uh, oftentimes their family and or friends uh, on the religious altar so that they can come to this building and sequester themselves with other believers uh, and and be religious and be spiritual. Um, And I know I'm going to rehash some of the stuff I've already gone over, but hopefully I can can get to some new places. But it really depends on how you see Sunday. Is Sunday a sacred day uh, or are all days the same? Uh, and of course, I know there are people on both sides of it. But I, but I really feel like uh, it takes a little legalism, I suppose. But but I, I really feel like that. Uh, either way, you can you can adapt your theology to embrace um, this family time. And it, and it takes an entire group to do that, right? So if uh, if you've brought somebody in who is a, a father and a husband, and they have decided to follow Jesus, and your meeting time is on Sunday, uh, generally, the way things go, because Sunday is really the day to do all things spiritual, just because, you know, God forbid we ask people to come another day, just make their lives too busy but you know Sunday morning you've got sometimes a Bible class and then you've got a, uh, what they call the worship service and then oftentimes you've got a potluck and then meetings after that meetings get thrown in the afternoon uh, and then on Sunday night uh, you might even have another worship time before you get home at you know seven or eight o'clock and and you know by then you you've if your family Pray for you as you are in that group and you are 
and you are being salt uh, and you are bringing the light of Jesus to that group, how can we, uh, instead of taking you out of that, just the opposite, equip you so that you can go into that group uh, and and uh, be Jesus for them? And so this is the idea of cross-active, and I realize I just rehashed a lot of that before. Uh, but something came up this morning, which was a textbook example of... Uh, of what we're talking about, a, a uh, Christian, instead of uh, going to worship on Sunday, did did her hobby. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, on Sunday morning, and then posted something on Facebook, and one of her ministers commented, um, you know, quite, you know, just normally, we we missed you on Sunday. Uh, and and this 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 idea that we missed you on Sunday to me that's kind of like a passive aggressive statement or it can be right it, it it could be we we genuinely missed you like people are looking around and we're sad because you weren't there uh, and and that that was a genuine feeling and people noticed it but I'm pretty sure that's not what was meant because that message came several days after uh, the worship service. Um, and and uh, it's it's just not par for the course. In fact, I've been I've been on the other side where people have missed and I say, you know, hey, I missed you at church, but what I'm saying is you really should have been there. You know, this, that's where you belong. That's where you should be. Uh, and now, both people involved in this exchange are very good friends of mine. I, ha I have the highest respect uh, for both of them and I have no question that that in their heart, um, they are genuinely trying to pursue Jesus. Okay, so I, I, I'm not passing judgment because this is such a normal... Thing and I, like I said, I've been on on the other side of that as well. I've been on the, uh, you know, the the person at church, uh, kindly but still, you know, pointing the finger at people who are not there that should be, right? I've done that. I've been there, done that, and uh, I could be quite good at that actually. I probably was very good at that. Um, but I want to I want to change a different scenario. What if people felt at liberty to, to let their church group know that they had an opportunity to be with their friends or family or those who do the hobby together, their hobby group or whatever, and that and that they they would like the blessings of the church, or they know that they're going to have the blessing of the church to do that. They know that they are free, free enough to to speak truth and light into these other groups, even on a Sunday morning, because that's that's going to be the most opportune day for for most people in Japan. What if they knew that, you know? Uh, and and what if you were meeting with that person ahead of time uh, in prayer, uh, and and preparing for that day, 
you know, preparing for them to go out, literally equipping them. You know, what would that look like? Uh, I, I think it would have kind of two effects. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, it would take the guilt away from the situation. Uh, sorry, my other volume is kind of up loud. I just noticed it. Sorry about that. Uh, it would it would have um, at least the effect of taking the guilt out of the situation, and just the opposite. It becomes an an opportunity to encourage and equip and build up. Uh, what the Bible calls edification, right? Uh, and it becomes another opportunity uh, for mission. It, be it becomes a a way that the members of your congregation are doing missions, uh, perhaps on a micro level. But what any what almost any missionary will tell you is almost all mission is done on a face-to-face. -face, you know, even if you pack up your family and move halfway across the world. Uh, ride camels and eat by open fire, it's still about the face-to-face -face contact that you have with people, uh, in, you know, in, in introducing them to Jesus. So suddenly now, you, you have released and taken the guilt out of people, and you're giving them permission and building the, them up and equipping them to go into these pockets of people who are enjoying life on their day off, right? Uh, who are playing or enjoying nature, uh, who are enjoying each, in, enjoying each other's company, uh, and now you have suddenly a church who is on mission. Because I guarantee you, every person in your church is involved in some kind of other group that's not church, right? Not church. Uh, literally, except for maybe some ministers who, maybe they they live in entire families who are all uh, believers. Um, and I don't mean to to say either that this is some ulterior motive to like infiltrate groups, uh, because Christians are already in these groups. This is already something they're doing. Uh, but what they may not be doing is seeing it. Uh, as a desirable place to be. They may be laden with guilt because they're involved in those things, right? Uh, and so when it, when it comes down to it, they may not even tell you they're going to do that just so they don't have to worry about all the guilt trips they're given for missing worship. They may just do it and then, you know, show up the next week and say, yeah, sorry, I was busy. Uh, but how, how is, I just don't see that as being a very desirable uh, or beneficial um, situation. Don't be guilty, you know, just, just the opposite. You know, let's, uh, let's build everybody up and equip them and hopefully join them in going out and being in these groups. Uh, and let's adjust, if we have to, adjust the time that we meet. You know, there, there may be time that don't wish to do any of these things on Sunday, or maybe everything they do is not on Sunday, and fine. You know, 
whatever. And maybe it's not every Sunday. Maybe it's once a month or twice a month or three times a month. Um, but I think I think we are missing a, a huge uh, opportunity, and we're failing to mine uh, a you know treasure trove of wealth uh, in relationship opportunities and uh, just you know living by example opportunities to live by example and, and when you take that pressure off of a believer and, and allow them to realize that that they are encouraged in those situations I, I think it'll change everything you know take the pressure out of the situation release them So, again, this is a new concept. I know it's not going to be popular. There, there are all kinds of reasons why it won't be popular, especially in bigger religious institutions. Uh, but I, I pray that people can kind of see past that, uh, that they can hopefully, you know, try new things. Um... Yeah, other than that, wow, there's just not a lot going on. I think I've told you that in in our own gathering time, we're kind of in a, a state of uh, limbo a little bit, not knowing which way we're going to be um, going with the groups that we meet with, and uh, hoping for some better situations. We we did have. Um, uh, the, the girl who uh, we baptized about a month or a month and a half ago or something like that, uh, her mom passed away last week, uh, which has been a very sad occasion that we have all been mourning with her uh, this week, and we were able to see her for the first time last night, which was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- those things are really really heartbreaking. Uh, one thing that was brought up last week was the possibility that these kinds of bad things seem to happen in higher frequency uh, in people who have just accepted Christ. Like early in their walk with Christ, they uh, there seems to be a higher frequency of experiencing, uh, you know, some kind of hardship in their live, uh, lives, for example, you know, a death in the family seems to be pretty high on the list. Uh, maybe job, uh, you know, job stuff happening, or you know, things happening at work or whatever. But uh, there, the question arose this week: Is there a higher frequency uh, of? bad things happening to people who accept Christ? And that's a valid question. Um, if you were to look at, you know, back at people who, um, sometimes it seems like it's after their baptism, to tell you the truth. Uh, take, take Jesus. <laughs> uh, he was baptized and then he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Um, that's pretty bad. 
I don't know what else may have happened to him in that time. We don't have any records, as far as I know, of other stuff that happened while he was in the wilderness. Um, but, you know, that's a valid question, and people who are involved in ministry who have brought people to Christ have, have documented these things. And I don't wonder if a couple things are at play. Um, number one, that, that our fear that bad things will happen to young believers uh, and in so doing rock their faith uh, we, we may have a, a bit of a, uh, we may be highly sensitive to this, you know, that we don't want this to happen. We hope that, uh, that they will not face trials and then suddenly uh, walk away from their newfound faith. You know, that's something that, that we always um, hope will not happen. I thought you were turning, lady. I didn't let you turn. Go ahead. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering if because we're not kind of on pins and needles, um, feeling responsible for these people coming to faith and, and, uh, feeling responsible for their growth in the faith that, that we're not kind of hyper aware of bad stuff. Uh, the other thing is maybe because we are concerned about these people, we just notice the bad things that are happening in their life more, but, but other people, uh, we don't notice quite as much, right? We're not quite as in tune, uh, with that. And, and, you know, for example, I, uh, when I get into something new, suddenly I notice it all, you know, all around, for example. Um, well, it just happened. It just happened right now. So, uh, we have a car, a certain kind of car, that is still kind of new to me. And now I see it everywhere. But before that car was mine, I didn't notice it. Right? It, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have registered. But now, when I see it, I recognize its contours. And so I'm kind of hyper aware to that car shape. The same, you know, the car that I'm in now is the same way. Uh, I see more of them. Because... You know, it's 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 readily in my you know it's it's always on my brain. It's on my mind. Uh, I see it often, and so I'm very familiar with it, and so I recognize it quickly. Um, you know, these these kinds of things happen. It's it's a normal phenomenon. Now, I also don't don't want to discount the idea that maybe. are putting a target on people's back by introducing them to Jesus. You know, that that's a possibility, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know, you know, how, how quickly, you know, how, how aware, first of all, is Satan uh, or his demons? How aware are they about what's going on? know that the angels in heaven rejoice, um, but does that mean the, the, the devils, <laughs> j- j- 
just to stick with the, the phraseology, does that mean the devils in hell uh, are are angry? You know, uh, I don't know. Do they know? Do they do they keep tabs? Are, are they that uh, in tune with what's going on? I really generally don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's something I'd like to explore a little bit, you know, are, are people more vulnerable once they hear about Jesus or not? Uh, does Satan start to tempt them or, uh, you know, send, send, uh, hardships their way because kind of as, as a punishment for changing sides? I don't know. I know bad stuff happens everywhere. And bad stuff happens to all kinds of people. Uh, people who know Jesus, people who don't know Jesus, people who are good, people who uh, are not so good, or at least not acting good. Uh, so that's that's a big question, and I don't have any semblance of an answer at this point. Um, although I, I would say I'm trying to be lightly skeptical that's the case. Um, uh, and, it, and it could be because certain scriptures talk about how, you know, consider it joy when you are, uh, when you are tempted, right? Uh, when you face all kinds of, of trials, consider it joy. And so almost, you know, it's almost like a, a badge you get in the Boy Scouts. Hey, look! I, I accomplished this. I've got my badge, and it's always there now, and you'll always be able to see it. So, if we've been tempted, or we've been, uh, you know, something, we've had some kind of a big uh, trying time in our life, we put that badge, and it, it raises our uh, our rank as a Christian. You know, there's a there's a Christian, but over there, there's a suffering Christian. Uh, so, I don't know if it's some kind of a